0: My name is Dave Hanratty, and there will be no encore. Welcome back to the podcast. It's Adam Shanahan. It is it's me and you. Yeah, it is. We were supposed to have a guest, but unfortunately, they could not make it due to a last-minute snafu. They send their apologies and will return at a certain point down the line. But for now, it's just me and you. It is. Of, well, I figured, like you know, there's no point in just not doing an episode. Yeah, and we were
1: both, you know, we're both able-bodied men. Ready to to take on the latest top five
0: topic? To some degree, yeah. Yeah. Um, That topic is, Dave? uh, Top five bizarre music controversies, or if you're from another part of the world, which I sometimes say, controversies. Controversies. Yeah, (laughs) I don't know. uh, Envelope, envelope, whatever. It's fine. You can pronounce things differently. Uh, Yeah, bizarre music controversies, as it sounds. Controversies in music, though, were a bit eyebrow-raising, a bit strange, Mm -hmm. perhaps. You know, A bit like, really? Okay, fine. That Uh, captured the zeitgeist as well. So we have a top five. It is just five. Usually the top five is actually secretly 10, but this time it's five because it's me and Adam combined yep. so um, yep. mostly me but uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no it's not a dig it's because recently la- a reversal, literally yeah. last week it was mostly you so yeah. you know it's, um, it's all think-
1: about balance here on No Encore
0: everybody. it is yeah it's all about balance and if you want to apply some balance to this uh, to, to our bank balance you want to increase our balance yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's probably better uh, it's patreon.com slash no encore if you want to support the show uh, five euro I guess but you know you can pay more if you want to uh, thank you to everyone that does It is. it will give you the show a day Early. You'll get it a day early in your feed uh, on Patreon twenty-four hours early on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And also we'll take the ads off for you as yeah, well. So. If you
1: if you're so inclined and you're not a fan, um, the ads help us keep the lights
0: on here. But they actually do. Although we've the lights nicely dimmed this week. We do in indeed. the studio. There's some yeah, Christmas lights. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So to get us to be able to see each other yeah. again. Anyway, listen, we'll move off this real quick, but it's patreon.com slash if you want to support the show. Uh, speaking of support, it's time for the news section. <laughs>
3: Start spreading the news
0: the news will be spread and this is how it works Uh, last week on the show we spoke about Irish Women in Harmony on the Late Late Show Uh, they basically if you missed that episode they basically were uh, not allowed express support visibly for Palestine for people in Palestine and Gaza as it is under horrific military attack as we all know a genocide is occurring over there and we talked about that last week and Orte's response to that and the Irish Women in Harmony's response to that as well go back last week to the episode if you want to hear how that played out but the reason we're bringing it up again is there hasn't, the, uh, not that I've seen, I haven't seen an update from the collective of the Irish Women in Harmony at all, um, but the story is still somehow relevant because, uh, you know, this podcast podcast comes out on a Friday, uh, we wait and see what happens over the weekend, Late Late, Late Show takes place on a Friday, Kneecap were on yep. last Friday, who are they? Kneecap are a
1: uh, rap trio, I suppose, from uh, Belfast, they are uh, very much a... Very much Irish speakers, um, very much big uh, supporters of the Irish language. A lot of their music is, um, and lyrics are in Irish. Um, they are very, uh, like, I would say it's probably safe to say they're quite politically active yeah. um, in Ireland um, and, of course, abroad as well. Um, this issue, the issue that we're going to, uh, I suppose, discuss in regards to kneecap is the same one that Irish Women in Harmony Ha- like faced up against essentially with RTE and the kind of censorship
0: around but it went different this time yeah around, around Gaza yeah. Uh, yeah they're on the lhl last week because they are they're very much in the ascendancy they've been around for a few years now they're a band that kind of started as a joke but they very much um you know, gone from strength. They've to strength. the script on it a little bit, haven't they? Yeah, which they have every right to do. I mean, I did a podcast about them recently for the for the Belfast Telegraph, and I enjoyed chatting about them. Um, but they have got a film called Kneecap, which Michael Fassbender's in, yep. and it played over at the Sundance Film Festival, won the Good. Audience Award in, yep. in the States, and so they're they're big business right now. But they're not, you know, they're with the increasing, I suppose, uh, views on their platform. They're using that platform. So last Friday. This following audio is from them sitting down in the studio at Orti with Patrick Kilty, and one of them had uh, changed into a football jersey of yeah. Palestinian origin. Yeah, and here's how that went down.
2: Uh, DJ Provey here. You've uh, you've done a bit of a, a costume change here. Yes. Uh, there you go. <laughs> now, um, I, I, I have to say. Um, you know, I'm obliged to say this, that our thoughts are with everybody in that conflict. Some horrific stuff is happening there. I'm also obliged to say that in the politics there's another side, that, and some people mightn't agree with what you've done. So, 100%, uh, but so that's, that's why
0: we're right. here and we use our platform to highlight the genocide that's happening in Palestine. moment, 30,000...
3: <laughs> 30,000 Palestinians have been murdered by
0: American weapons and mostly two-thirds of them, women and children. So I think we just have to, that's why we feel, use this platform as an opportunity to appeal to Irish people, to attend rallies and protests and to support the BDS movement, to show solidarity with Palestine and hopefully one one day the Palestine will be free. No, perfectly reasonable sentiment. I would have thought. Yeah, and uh, you know, and you know, if anyone's going to get mad about Patrick Keelty, what he said there, I think he has to do that in his job yeah. as neutral host of a show, of a talk show on the national broadcaster. Yeah. there's I, someone
1: in his ear literally telling him to say that as well
0: on the, the fly as it happened. Yeah. And I, I gotta say, I think he did a good job. And but you might be wondering, you might be like, well, how come this was allowed and the Irish Women in Harmony weren't? That is not the case. Uh, a statement released to the journal uh, the following day, an Ortique spokesperson said that kneecaps manager had stated that the performers intended to wear badges showing support for Palestine but the show's producers told them that that, uh, it wasn't allowed and the performance would have to be cancelled because they did perform as well Um, they said the band agreed not to wear the badges for the live performance however during the performance and the subsequent interview they chose not to comply with that agreement they put badges on and revealed that one band member was wearing a Palestinian football jersey so there you go Uh, civil disobedience in this case
1: Yeah, and I mean if you you were one of the producers on um, on the late late and you invited kneecap on you cannot expect them to not do that yeah it, I think it's like like every, every, everyone knew it was going to happen I, 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 there's no doubt in my mind that everybody knew it was going to happen from Patrick Keelty to kneecap themselves of course to the RT producers this is an ass covering exercise 100% like no doubt in my mind they were always like they're so politically active they've been so vocal about this since the start there's no way they weren't going to do something. Especially give and like I think probably you know uh, the gasoline was poured on the fire so to speak in, in regards to you know their desire and need to do this based on what happened last week. Whose desire? Uh, kneecaps.
0: Okay. Um, not
1: a to use desire? No, 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 not at all. Like I think there's the cynical part of me almost thinks that like the producers and people who are booking kneecap on probably knew what they were doing a little bit there. Um,
0: I mean it could have been arranged weeks in advance but see this
1: is the thing there, But it wasn't like again it's not announced until the week of of course yeah um, so we have no real way of knowing that but like I said that's just the cynical part of me oh, I, uh, doubt it, I
0: doubt it was a case of okay we need to break glass here in case of emergency and get these guys on to do something you know rebellious uh, I think it's just a timing thing I think mm. it's just a, it's a weird coincidence perhaps I mean the booking was probably made some time ago mm. um, so a spokesperson said that in live television also I should at this point apologise on our Behalf because both myself and Adam are slightly under the weather. We are sick.
1: <laughs> <They laughs> I said sick. we were able bodied men. But I've, been sick. Not. <laughs>
0: I've been sick since fucking December and it, it's not, it, it's taking a while to clear my system. I think I'm okay, everyone, but uh, I I know I, you know, coughing and whatever. Let me, you know, allow me. Allow yeah, me. Allow us, listeners. Um, Thank you so much. Spokesperson for RT said that on live television there's always a risk of quote unquote unplanned programming. Uh, a team of editorial professionals that work in the show proceeded to act in full compliance with Ortiz guidelines, adapted filming, and took action whereby KLT provided the context and balance to the discussion at the kneecap, as you heard there. But, like, the interview continued, you know, like they were there out there for, like, 13 minutes in full. And I will say as well, like, you know, I pulled that clip from their YouTube. They didn't cut that section, at least. You mm-hmm. know, there hasn't been an act of post-censorship here. Yeah, yeah, and
1: I would have expected that probably, from like, on the RT player, or even, like, obviously the social clips on the RT side were never going to include that, but it was, you know, it wasn't... I mean, in Shorty's credit, they didn't take it out.
0: You know whether it goes out in the official accounts or not doesn't matter. I mean, a lot of people like filmed it off their phones, exactly. on, on their TVs yeah. and whatever. Uploaded it independently. The band themselves have mm-hmm. shared it. Uh, they did the right thing, as far as I'm concerned. And again, as you say, like this would be like inviting Rage Against the Machine onto your show and be like, and by the way, don't, don't mention, yeah, don't bring
1: politics into it. Yeah,
0: just you know, just give us the songs, please. Um, now, I will say, as a byproduct of this, though, and a perhaps unfortunate one, because I have been thinking about last week's discussion, and you know, like it's. Part of me thinks, oh, I didn't go hard enough, or I was too harsh, or whatever. Um, it's more like, you know, I think that there's an unfortunate byproduct here in as much as this is hardly the big takeaway that it should be, but it's an element. It doesn't make the whole Irish Women in Harmony situation to go on and play look great now. No. In, in the immediacy of it, like the very next musical act, uh, who are also men, you know, like I mean, like, you don't want to turn this into a man-woman thing, but like, you know, it's it doesn't, like, it it, it adds kind of salt into the wound or something, not, un- unintentionally. Like, it's hardly kneecaps intention to do that. But it just, it doesn't, if you stack the two incidents up together coming on one show after the other, it doesn't look great. Right.
1: Yeah, and I, I think we're probably down to, that's down to what you said about it just being maybe, like, fortunate slash unfortunate time in whatever way you want to frame it. Um Like, I think we, we've kind of discussed at length that uh, with last week, you know, that... It's it's such a difficult situation. I thought that you and Zara had a really good discussion on it last week. So if anyone hasn't actually listened to that, go back and listen to it next week. Personally, I think the wrong thing to do was to continue playing anyway. Um, But that's my, like I said, that's my personal opinion. I don't hold... I am not holding like any grudges against anybody no, who were, and was and involved and, in I'm it. Not and I think to the fact that like encourage the, that whatsoever the, like the the fucking you know pitchfork uh, torch wielding online heads like it's very frustrating seeing that When when their hand was probably forced at the last
0: minute. Just to reiterate, I think the Irish Women Harmony were put into an extremely difficult position. So difficult, yeah, yeah. We don't know the exact time scale on there, you know, how much time was it to make a decision, commitments were made, etc. I'm not looking to demonise anyone in that group. I'm sure there are individual regrets. It's a lot of different people, you know. Mm -hmm. In this case, it's just a trio. And they're a more politically minded trio. And as you say, like, I mean, it would be very off-brand for to not Like, that's their their gut reaction. Mm Mm-hmm. Irish Women in Harmony, it's a different thing. It, like, it, it's a nascent group and it exists for different reasons. And it's, you know, like, it's not fair. I don't think, like, like I don't think anyone in that group should be individualised and, and called anything no, derogatory. And, but I just think that, you know, like I say, it's an unfortunate, you know, like, side by side.
1: Yeah, and uh, what I will say as well is, I think that, like, the whole thing about kneecap is, like, the group itself is inherently political. Like, that's built into the DNA of kneecap. I don't necessarily think that's built into the DNA of Irish Women in Harmony. I yeah, don't exactly, think yeah. I'm... I, again that's not that's not passing you know negative comment in the group. I just don't think that they would consider themselves like primarily. <laughs> you know politically engaged
0: no and they're absolutely not like like that's not why it exists it's a different it's an entirely different thing but like I say I just thought it was you know it was an unavoidable contrast and yeah. uh, you know we'll see we'll, we'll see what happens now like I mean like does the next musician on you know lately do they you know like like, how, is this going to continue uh, you
1: know what I, I like personally I think it should continue I think like what are they going to do just stop booking musical guests then if like no one is complying like could a boycott could a boycott work I like,
0: I don't know I mean as you say it's civil disobedience yeah,
1: and like, to be fair, like, a couple of things to take away as well is it was incredibly. Um, I thought, like, the, the, um, Mo- it wasn't Mowgli Bap, it was, was Mowgli Bap? Actually, it was, who uh, we heard speaking there in the clip. And he spoke so well, I thought. He'd, like, he just held his nerve. Um, in fairness to Patrick Hilty, let him finish his point, didn't cut him off. Yeah, he um,
0: moved it on after in a very kind of, you know, like, I, I want to go back to the music, you know, now, which is fine. Yeah, like, I mean, I- like And there you go. It's a frank, you know, polite, you polite know, polite's probably the wrong word, but it's a, a civil and a fucking, you know, eloquent and a thoughtful way of putting it across. And mm-hmm. there was, you know, it wasn't like they were fucking ripping the seats up or anything. Not know? at all. And, and s- that's something I said in the podcast, the when, one when I did about them a while ago. I was like, these are very intelligent guys. You know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to get into a row with them because I think I think I'd fucking lose. You know, like like they're very fucking clever. And one thing I will, the last thing I will
1: say on it is, um, I think it's the reaction is a really good uh, temperature gauge on how people are feeling about. The situation in society whole people cheering like, in the studio. People cheering. See, this is the thing. Would we'll like, not happen who, in the nineties. Like, like, yeah, like, absolutely not. And like realistically, the glorious Pat Kenny days, you know, <laughs> or the Gay Byrne days. <laughs> hey, if we go back further.
0: Stop that. Uh,
1: but even it's st- getting worse. My, my impression is getting worse. Sorry. Um, we we all know we, we all know who who it is. A great man. He's, he's he's in there. He's okay. just waiting to be the
0: broadcaster. The
1: broadcaster. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> broadcaster of note. His records.
0: His, his spirits in all of us. You but know?
1: The, yeah. So the thing about it was like I I think it was a really good temperature check. First of all, for the audience to. Like, see who the late, like, the late, like viewership clearly with the people in the studio. And again, these are lotteries that are done a long time in advance so they wouldn't have known that kneecap were going to be on there. So this yeah. is a random selection of people.
0: I'm often, I'm, I'm often out at an Arena, uh, like in, in the radio studio on a Friday doing album reviews and stuff. And I'll walk by as they, they're queuing up to go in for their big night. Nice. And I'm always just like, ah, oh, well, well, will I just join the queue? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Where's Dave? He's yeah. in the studio waiting for you. Um, yeah, no, I, t- I think it's a really good temperature check. I think the reaction is, a bit, like I haven't seen, there. Look, <clears throat> there's probably going to be a negative reaction somewhere. I'd love to know how many complaints? I think it was two. I believe. Oh, for fuck's sake! Like, there I mean, re-
0: there, there was reportage today. I believe. I believe the number was two. Two may have gone up since then, but the the report I saw was two complaints. Like, there so, is. Like, it's a different generation. It's,
1: it's. I. I don't know. Like, I think that says. I'll all we need to say on it
0: yeah that's fine um also sorry was that rain yeah it was yeah on the roof yeah yeah because i was like because i was like what is that yeah, yeah <laughs> no it's a, it. it started to to really come down there it's Listen, a hell of so it if, if you heard it. a little bit of know, no, that's my favorite sound in the world um but you know there are other there are other irish musicians to talk about yes like who dave uh shane lynch <laughs> former boyzone legend boyzone star of record shane lynch um, and i'm the gonna bad say that boy. about everybody today now Bad boy of boys' on
1: yeah, you could say. Yeah, so oh, was, I think he, yeah, he was.
0: I think that's pretty. That was his, that was his, that was his, that his thing. Yeah, that was his brand. Um, he has made it, made an outlandish claim, um, which actually follows on from other claims he made recently. Um, he was speaking to the Sunday World this week, and uh, he says that Taylor Swift, there it is again, can't stop talking about her. Yeah, Taylor Swift is apparently, according to Shane Lynch, performing satanic rituals because, of course, she is in front of millions of fans. There's only <laughs> one way you can <clears throat> sell that many
1: tickets. <laughs> The, by summoning the devil
0: to your aid. The, uh, the committed Christian, it says here, that being Chain Lynch, yeah. uh, says some music is a danger to society because artists are channeling the devil in plain sight. Uh, he aired his views as he and his wife Sheena, who's a star of The Real Housewives of Cheshire. Do you watch that? I don't. Sounds like you're missing out.
1: I don't watch any of the Real Housewives. I be, like, for rea- as far as a reality show goes, I believe it's very enjoyable.
0: My brother's a fan of some of them. I don't, I don't, mm-hmm. th- I don't think he goes as far as regional UK. But um, launched their latest business venture, blah, blah, blah. blah blah. So he first shared his views on Satanism in the music industry last year on a premier Christian radio podcast. He claimed Sam Smith and Beyonce are, quote, so demonic it's unbelievable. Uh, he said that in his time in the industry, he'd witnessed satanic rituals where albums were prayed over to ensure success. And he told the Sunday World that Taylor Swift is an advocate of Satanism. He says, and I quote: "I think when you're looking at a lot of artists out there, a lot of their stage shows are satanic rituals live in front of twenty thousand people without them realizing and recognizing. You'll see a lot of hoods up and masks on and fire ceremonies, fire ceremonies, fire techniques. Is he going to slip up It's Fire, pyr- fire techniques? Is he at Ramstein?"
1: and Taylor Swift's (laughs) co-headliner
0: even down to Taylor Swift he says one of the biggest artists in the world you watch one of her shows and she has two or three demonic rituals to do with the pentagrams on the ground oh get lost to do with all sorts of stuff on stage but to a lot of people it's just art and that's how they're seeing it Uh,
1: sorry before we move on I just think the quote of like him claiming Sam Smith and Beyonce are so demonic it's unbelievable yeah that's That's a quote and a half.
0: Like it, uh, well, Sam Smith has definitely attracted people for that because, you know, like the imagery and they're like, it's band this sick filth. You know, the children and all that kind of bullshit. Um, so Shane Lynch also says, um, even the beats of music can have an impact on people. That's true. I mean, as a general statement, that's true. As
1: a general statement, but yes. But
0: get this, he stopped listening to hip hop and grime for these very reasons. He says, sometimes the music are damaging society. And children in particular. He says, when it comes to a lot of the music at the moment, more on the hip-hop side, a lot of satanic, a lot of evil, including down to the beats. It's very real. Music attaches to your emotions. It has a connection to your spirit and how you feel. And that's why I've stopped listening to those types of music, because it doesn't suit my spirit. It 100% has an effect on society. I think our society has never been worse in many areas, and it starts from our children.
1: Yeah, this is like...
0: To refer
1: immediately to the imagery of this episode, it's mm-hmm. so Helen Lovejoy, isn't it? Like Although he,
0: it does say here, the hands-on dad, good, good writing, uh, doesn't police what his daughters listen to. They love music, he says, I don't try and stop them. They have to learn for themselves, I will encourage and explain to them, music is dangerous. <laughs> I want to remind everyone that Shane Lynch made his money in the music industry for yep. many, many years. Yeah, 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 exactly. But like a willing fact, participant. I wouldn't
1: say that Bowie's <clears throat> sounds lyrical content or songwriting was hedonistic by any means. But like you know,
0: play it backwards, <laughs>
1: yeah, and do do a couple of uh, fire rituals. I'm sure there was pyrotechnics at those
0: gigs. I wonder what he thought of that. Yeah, like, that's, they weren't playing just in front of a kid. Not trying,
1: like, again, I'm not trying to belittle religion. Like, if if this is his belief system, that's fine. But, like, it sounds a bit ridiculous.
0: Yeah, no, it's extreme. It's, yeah. an, it's an extreme take that I don't agree with, and yeah. fair play to him.
1: It's a bizarre music controversy, perhaps, Dave. Uh, maybe, yeah. Um. Speaking of holograms, how do you feel about those? Um, I can tell you, Shane Lynch probably wouldn't be happy with us.
0: No, that um, would be. A- I, don't, I don't mind them. I don't mind them. That would be an apparition. Yeah, you know, coming, coming <laughs> exactly. After him. But there's talk of a hologram show of Freddie Mercury, uh, which
1: I, I'm I so surprised this hasn't happened sooner.
0: Um, I think it did in the sense that there was like a test or something, or there was like a, a quick cameo of something. Um, they've used other way an optical illusion. It says here of the front man was shown during Queen's Rhapsody tour that really would freak out Shane Lynch. Um, but yeah, it, it, and The Illusion, by the way, brought Brian May to tears during the show. That's nice. Is it? I think so. I don't know.
1: Unless it was like tears being like, I can't believe he's back. Just like, <laughs> and I'm not <laughs> in the line, I'm not the I'm not the head honcho anymore.
0: It's like when Daniel Day-Lewis, apparently he was performing as Hamlet on the stage and he saw the ghost of his father and then never performed the play again or some kind of legendary theatre story. Um, Sounds about right. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't think we need holograms of Freddie Murky, but I guess people like the ABBA thing.
1: Yeah, well, like, that's just... That's, like, with the size of the tour and the success of the tour, it seems to be, you know... If I, I could see why uh, other bands with members who may have passed or bands who are, you know, in the KISS realm, not to get into the KISS corner, but, like, they're all just kind of finished now. You know, they're just... They're at that age where touring is probably physically very demanding. It, it makes sense to for a commercial viability of... The business,
0: which is yeah, the but band, this like like to do it. But someone very important here doesn't have a say in any of this. That, and and, that and when true, he yeah. died, Freddie Mercury probably didn't have holograms on his mind. You know, for, yeah, probably not. But, I, like I think it's it's one thing for Gene Simmons to be like, "Listen, guys, we're signing this mega deal while we're alive, and we're going to have money for the rest yeah, of our generation." It is, it is And so our yeah. children's children, etc., cetera, et cetera. It's another thing when it's Tupac. It's another thing when it's Freddie Mercury, and someone out there is being like, "Yeah, grand cool." Like I don't like it. It's like putting, you know, like the thing about actors and movies and stuff, where it's like, I don't like it. I don't like it. Yeah, I would, you would assume it has the
1: blessing of his family. Well, uh, but I, right. I we don't know that, and <laughs> you would like to you would like to think that it does, but we've <laughs>
0: we know what Brian May is like as we well. Do, yeah, great, so chances
1: another, are this is one of his crackpot
0: schemes. Another great man. Um... A bit more tangible, but no less corporeal. It's a uh, talk of a statue for Lemmy of Motorhead. Yeah, give it to him. Really? Yeah, why not? Why? Why do it
1: he is like so you think of Lemmy you know exactly what he looks like
0: exactly so he doesn't need a statue
1: I think that's exactly why he doesn't need a statue <laughs> the
0: 2.2 metre statue will be erected in the marketplace of Burslem the town where Lemmy was born before his family moved to Newcastle under Lyme um, it's not the only statue though if this one does get the go ahead because in, 20- in 2016 there was another one erected at the Rainbow Bar and Grill in Los Angeles and there's also a statue of him at Germany's Wacken Air Open Festival great yeah, the
1: more the merrier. I think no, I think it's good. Like because it, it like it's not, a, it's not a massive place where he's from, is it? Like so, you know, it, it's nice to just have a little. It's nice that his, you know, his hometown or the place that he's from, is paying homage to his successes. I'll be it in, you know, I'll, I'll be posthumously, but even still, I think it's a nice thing. It's a nice gesture from the town. I think.
0: I, I I don't know. I'm gonna like I'm complete on these things because they never look great. You know the Luke Kelly. Oh no, they don't. No, they look the terrible. Luke, the Luke Kelly statues are pretty terrible. It's the
1: gesture that means more than anything. I think the form, you know, is probably going to want for you know something.
0: Have you uh like have you ever seen like there's a RoboCop statue in Detroit or at least there's been one in production for about twenty years or something and it's like cost a, an like awful a big lot. one, massive. Yeah. Oh my god, amazing. And it's bronze. And it Mike knows David. It's cost like. A shit ton of money It's caused no end of controversy. I don't know if it ever got finished, but like, I'm like, that would be amazing, though.
1: It would be fantastic.
0: Like, if you turn around the corner and there's like a 12-foot RoboCop statue. I
1: would go to Detroit to see the RoboCop statue. Oh, by the way, sorry. Just alone.
0: And on the subject of, you know, 80s action, I watched Predator the other day.
1: Oh, I saw this the last (laughs) time I was on Letterboxd. Yes,
0: an an absolutely insane film Uh, that, inexplicably, I'd never seen from start to finish, which makes no sense because, you know, you're like, how have you avoided this film for so long? I've seen loads of bits from it. Yeah. I knew the entire plot, I knew the fate of every character. But, you know, I never actually watched it start to finish.
1: It's it's an... Like, I think the last time I would have seen it from start to finish was probably 2004.
0: That's very specific.
1: (laughs) I would say. That's how long ago.
0: But something really stood out to me when I watched the Predator film. Tell me. That the Predator is the most insecure villain in cinema history. (laughs) He's pathetic. (laughs) Show your workings. So he's eight feet tall, right? He's built like a fucking, like, bodybuilder. Yeah. Uh, He has future technology. Yeah. That no one else has, Mm -hmm. including... The ability to be invisible, and he just like cheats. <laughs> like it's meant to be about like he's an elite hunter, and he's trying to test himself against the best or something. That's what these films turn into. It's not a very good franchise, but like the first film is particularly it's great. But like it's just baffling. I was like, this is not a fair fight. Like like what's the point of this? It's like playing a fucking video game with all the cheats on. Yeah, yeah, that's what a <laughs> badass. Like, like 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 when Carl Weathers or I P. Um, dies in this film, or I P again. Yeah. It's like. Spoiler for a film that came out in 1990. 1987. Okay. I <laughs> um, do you know the direct, a uh, tangent within a tangent here? Yeah, John yeah, yeah. McTiernan directed this, okay. Die Hard, yeah. and The Hunt for Red October in the space of four years. Fucking lean trio. It's pretty good. <laughs> so, no, sorry, just real quick on this digression that I'm sure everyone's enjoying at home. Yeah. Um, Carl Weathers plays, you know, they're all badass military men. Uh, it's like, it's comical. It's testosterone the movie. Yeah. And like, as we all know, like, there's a bit where they, they take their, their shirts off, but then put their tactical vest back on. And I'm like, why, like what was what, the point of this? Hot. They're always rippling in the sun, fair play to them. Mm. They look amazing. Um, but here's the thing, right? Carl Weathers gets his arm blown off by the Predator, who shoots him from distance like a fucking coward, <laughs> blows his arm off. And as, as Carl Weathers is hysterical and in agony and scared, probably... You get this bizarre, like, hero shot of the invisible Predator doing this kind of weird, like, circle run, like he's an Olympian, as he just runs up and guts him. And I was like, well, that was unnecessary showmanship. What are you doing? Like, I I couldn't get... And then at the end, of course, you know, spoilers for Predator. um, Arnie defeats him, outwits him, outfoxes the alien, fair play. With
1: future technology.
0: No, he actually uses primitive technology. No, as in the
1: alien has future technology and was outwitted.
0: And then, what does the Predator do? Blows himself up in a nuclear explosion to try and take Arnie with him. (laughs) Lose with some fucking dignity, please. <laughs> anyway, Rage Against the Machine.
1: <laughs> let <clears throat> some Rage might say it. that's what the predator did. He raged against the machine. He certainly did. Yeah. yeah, the machine that is Arnold Schwarzenegger.
0: Um, it was announced recently by Brad Wilk, the drummer from Rage Against the Machine, that they were done. That their reunion was over, and they, you know, I mean, we we've known for a while that they're not going to make any more new, mu- new music for whatever reason. But um, if you ask Timmy C. Tim Comerford, the bass player from the band, uh, he's saying something slightly different. So he's saying that actually he doesn't know, which is kind of bizarre, right? You would think it's definitely over. He said, um, when speaking to Rolling Stone, he said, I don't know. I don't get involved in that. I'm the bass player. I just wait for someone to tell me what to do. Brad said what he said, but he's one step above me. He's in the number three spot. I am the low man on the totem pole. That's all I can tell you. I'm the bass player. The bass players always are the last people to find out about shit like that.
1: I I would have thought and I I'm say not this, buying what he's selling there to be honest as
0: a drummer I would have thought the drummer was the lowest one on the totem pole
1: I would have also thought the same thing but again every band is different like this is this is perpetuating band stereotypes that like do not exist um, I don't like obviously Zach De La Roca and um, oh my god the guitarist what's his name what's his
0: name Tom Morello
1: Tom Morello oh my god how did I forget that sorry um Thomas yeah. Morello. Thomas, yeah, Thomas Morello. Um, they, like, I imagine they're probably on Level Peg and Zach Della Rocca, the mastermind behind Rage Against the Machine, I think we can all agree. Um, it's kind of like if he, what, like, it's, if, if one person says it's over, I mean, it probably is, or at least their time in it is probably done. I don't know. it. it there's a lot of mixed signals happening here, quite literally, as is the headline.
0: Yeah, it's a strange one. Um, I thought they were done. I guess we'll see. But, um, but this,
1: I'm just the bass player. Too.
0: He's got a new. He's got a new band. He's also uh, recovering from prostate cancer. Apparently, he's doing well. But he said it has right. changed it has changed his life, and he has to continue to keep keep uh, keep on that one. But we uh, wish him well and hope that the band come back. And more importantly, as I always say, please make another album. It's not like you don't have the inspiration. Uh, and it, finally, it, it,
1: before we move on, <clears throat> isn't there a Zach Delarocca or like a Rage Against the Machine? Trent Reznor produced records it's Zach, somewhere.
0: It's a Zach Della Rock, a solo album. Oh my God. And Why? Zach didn't think it was good enough. Oh, for fuck's he sake. He put it in the vault, print style. And like, there is that track though uh, from the Fahrenheit 911 soundtrack. And the track is called We Want It All. Mm. And it's fucking amazing. I, I'm, I
1: don't recall it immediately. Right.
0: It's so, so good. Is it worth not
1: having the record to have that one? No,
0: this doesn't make any sense. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, you could have something else, though. You could have a really bizarre piece of memorabilia. Now, I initially misread this slightly. Um, A bullet once fired from the gun that killed John Lennon is has gone up for auction this week. Okay, so let me. Can we break this down? Yeah, this is the thing because I initially got a little bit confused. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> uh, you texted you texted me this. I did yeah. <laughs> during the week. You were I, like... <laughs> I said to you because I, I, I assumed, as you might be assuming, listener, I assumed that this was the bullish that yeah, killed yeah, yeah. him, and I was like, "That's really fucked up." Yeah. And I said, "I joked to you. I i am 'I'm gonna buy this.'" and wear it around my neck on a first date. Yeah. And I was imagining, like, you know, you're like, you're like a couple of drinks in, and she's looking at it, and I'm like, oh, this? You know? Yeah, <laughs> your, your quote was, it belonged to a legend. <laughs> it belonged to a legend. And I a,
1: didn't know whether you meant the man who killed John Lennon or John
0: Lennon himself. That's the, whole, that's the wonder of the ambiguity of the gag. which yeah, I will not be it. explaining. But I'm like, yeah, yeah, this belonged to a great man. Same again? Um, but yeah, so no, no, it's not quite that. Um, to explain, uh, the item this being the bullet, mm-hmm. not the bullet that killed John. The item was given to Northumbria police officer, Brian Taylor. So this is in, this is in England, but yep. it was given to him by the New York Police Department after they allowed this UK police officer to shoot the gun on a visit to the department of in New York. This is so complicated. <laughs> is, uh,
1: by the way, the layers are so deep, listener, you may have to go on half speed for this.
0: The guy uh, who got the the bullet recently passed away, IP, and now the bullet will be going under the hammer. Uh, it, it's actually like once this podcast is out, it, it will be done. Um, he kept the bullet in a frame for the rest of his life uh, with the auction house's director describing it as, quote, one of those slightly macabre lots you get now and again that draws everyone's attention.
1: I, I have to, can I just interject for a moment? Sure, yeah. There's nothing macabre about the fact that it's, a bullet that just happened to be fired from the same gun. The same gun.
0: gun. Um, there is a Beatles fan base that is fanatical. This auction person says, and a market for just about anything Beatles, but very seldomly do you get something so unusual and unique. It's difficult to know what it's worth and whether there's a market for it or not. It's a really interesting piece of Beatles memorabilia. No, it's that fucking probably not. can't be replicated. Yeah, because it doesn't exist in also, the first also place. So it can be replicated. Just put another <laughs> bullet in the gun and fire it. Also, there there's probably several more. Also, sorry, what's going on in that evidence room? Sorry. I, I, I hey man, can't. do you want to come in here for a second? Here's the gun that killed John Lennon. Do you want to fire it? Just I, like, I'm reading the first line of that. Like, How is that okay? Th-
1: like that BBC quote that there is a Beatles fan base that is fanatical and a marker for just about anything. I can hear him from here rubbing his hands together at the thought of how much money this is going to generate. I genuinely hope it doesn't sell. It will, I hope it doesn't, just because it's so
0: ridiculous. but also like we know that the Beatles fan base is fanatical, yeah. why? Because a man shot and killed John Lennon. His name is Mark David Chapman, killed him in 1980 uh, outside his his building in New York. Uh, he's in prison, as you might imagine. Um, in 2022 he said that he shot John Lennon because he wanted to be somebody, and nothing was going to stop that. Well, he was correct. Um, he's been denied parole 12 times, 13 times lucky. Okay. Including, I think, uh, as recently as last Christmas, possibly. Um, imagine, imagine still trying to get parole
1: well, he's after saying, saying he's, I, he, I did this because said, I wanted to.
0: He's saying that he's changed. You know, he feels more and more shame each year. You know, 30 years ago, I didn't feel shame. Now I know what shame is. Good, would serve your time. I'm currently re-watching Oz. Pr- oh yeah, 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 the prison <laughs> drama. Because life, life isn't bleak enough, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I've decided, you know what, I'm going to watch Oz.
1: I think I watched like five episodes and just had to stop. Oh,
0: you haven't, you haven't actually seen... The-
1: I haven't seen the full thing. I think I just like, wasn't in the best place mentally to be consuming material of that nature.
0: It's intensely dark and yeah. I'm currently... It's worrying me how, how easy it's going down. The theme song is so
1: unnerving in it's, itself. It's incredible it's I mean, great no it's great we,
0: we have played a bit of on the show before so. and,
1: and several times <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah no it's an incredible show uh, it's on Paramount Plus by the way if anybody wants to watch um uh, a show from an era where like because like it never looked good it's basically if anyone doesn't know what all it is it's HBO's show predates The Sopranos
1: it was one of their first like big I think it was the, the first of things, yeah. kind
0: of you know premium cable so like there's lots of you know sex and violence and it's so and murder it's so grim um, but like the way that it's been uploaded is like fucking hell. It's like 4 3. Oh, does it know, like
1: do the screen? Does it like, pat, like it's yeah, widening
0: got like out of ratio two, or whatever? Yeah, two black bars on the side. Uh, no attempt to upscale the, uh, the presentation whatsoever. Oh, yeah. So it's you're like watching in like 360p. 240p. Yeah. Like it's just like, <laughs> yeah, um, which, yeah. you know, um, which kind of works in one sense. And in another sense, you're like, could you not have like done anything? Anything. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Something. Please. Yeah. It's an amazing show. Not for the faint of heart, but last point on it. Um, Harold Perrineau, who people will know from Lost mm-hmm. and also from... He's Mercutio and Romeo and Juliet. Yep. Really good actor. Yeah, yeah, great actor. He serves... He's a character within The Prison of Oz, but he's also um, the show's kind of narrator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and every episode is all about a theme. And about four or five times during the episode, you know, especially at the beginning, at the end, you'll have him in this kind of glass box prison cage thing. And he's like going through the themes and such and such. And he also introduces all the new prisoners when they go in there from while they're there. It is one of the most electrifying acting performances I've ever seen.
1: He's fantastic.
0: It is so consistently yeah. brilliant and so entertaining and incredible. And he does not get enough praise for it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's magnetic. And like I love the when he does the introductions for the prisoners. Prisoner
0: number six, seven, eight, nine, two. Adam Shanahan, convicted. July 12th, 1998. Third degree murder. Sentence. Yeah. 12 years yeah. of a parole in six. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's great. It's <laughs> oh, so fantastic. Good. Go watch ours, everybody. But seriously, it, don't binge it. I'm binging it. It's a mistake. It's, but look,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's l- hard to listen, swallow.
0: Listen, controversial show. Very controversial. Yes, Controversial. Much, However, much like <laughs> our top five this week, <laughs> um, yeah, bizarre music controversies, yes. and I feel bad because we had a guest lined up and we were going to do it with them, and I said to him, I was like, well, look, listen. Uh, I kind of need to do this off <laughs> I was like, otherwise, you don't have an episode. So yeah. he, he gave us our blessing.
1: So I, I will say the get, uh, patrons of the show will know who the guest was this <laughs> week. Right, yeah. So I'm going to. Well, it's uh, easier
0: that is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Go find out who wasn't on the show. No, I'm
1: going to now tell everybody. So uh,
0: if, uh, do we? Uh, do, we to, uh, do we need to do that? No, it's fine.
1: Okay, secret secrets keep, for the patrons only. Patreon.com/slash no encore, five year to find out who. Keep it,
0: was. it as a mystery. They'll be back soon. We can get into it then. Yeah. Um. But in the meantime. Uh, we need to talk about what we're doing, which is this 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 list, this, this controversial list. Yeah. I mean, there's lots to choose from, and we kind of deliberately steered away from really grim stuff because, first yeah. of all, fish in a barrel, and second of all, we don't like. We're trying to find you know stuff that we're like really or like you know wh- why was that a thing, and maybe wh- how has time looked upon some of these as well? You know, I mean, like, how's uh, any you know do we feel differently about them now? Um, Where they overblown then? But yeah, nothing horrible, nothing fucking grim, no, like, awful stuff. Nope. That, 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 that was kind of our remit, really. No,
1: and then there's, like, it's stuff as well that, you know, was big news, which I think we were trying to keep stuff to, like, genuine, like, big
0: news <laughs> in the music industry. I, I'm laughing because, like, my, our number one is, like, by comparison, is a lot more local. Oh, a lot, yeah, a lot it's more a lot local. more localised. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, like,
1: you know, in the grand scheme of things, like, that was kind of our search parameters, so to speak. Yeah. And then, you know, the light-hearted stuff that...
0: Um, we just couldn't ignore it's true and there's also the, there are musicians on this on this show and I believe you told me today that apparently this is episode 400 this
1: is episode 400 yeah didn't realise it
0: was that yeah so
1: um, uh, I just want to say on Mike, a massive congratulations to you because you've been here for every episode that's true and <laughs> well, uh, almost every episode that's like uh, that's a that's a massive achievement there's people who really really love the show so
0: yeah, yeah. and yeah thanks to everyone uh, like if there's anyone even who's been listening all the way through good lord um, I owe you lots of pints and stuff but uh, no seriously thanks to everybody I'm not I'm not good at saying, hey, this is good and I'm great. Uh I'm much better if someone goes, you know, the show sucks, Dave. I'm like, unreal, let's have a conversation about that. Mm. But um yeah, it's been going for quite some time. And uh Wait, I 2016, I believe. 2016, yeah. April 2016, I think, if if I recall correctly. Um and yeah, it's yeah, it's a pleasure to do it. Uh, especially when we get to do stuff like this. But what the point I was gonna make was uh there are musicians that have appeared in one form or another over and over and over and over and over again. And I guess we'll continue to because they're so sewn into the fabric of music itself. And even if I'm not the biggest fan of them, uh, you just can't escape them. And, uh, you know, you have to look at the influence. You have to look at, you know, the place in music history. And where better to start than our number five? Take it away, boys.
2: He said, um, he said, oh, I don't know what's wrong with the church at the moment. The Beatles are bigger than Jesus Christ, you know, like they're not building Jesus enough. They ought to do more, like gospel and all this stuff. Well, that was taken out of context over in America. If it had said we're more, uh, television is more popular than Jesus, I might have got away with it. happened to be talking to a friend. I used the word Beatles as a remote thing, not as what I think, as Beatles as though those other Beatles like other people see us. I just said they are having more, in, more influence on kids and things than anything else, including Jesus. But I said it in that way, which is the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't knocking it or putting it down. I was just saying it as a fact and it sort of it is true especially more for England than here you know you... But I'm not saying that we're better or greater or comparing us with Jesus Christ as a person or God as a thing or whatever it is you know I would just said what I said and it was wrong or was taken wrong and now it's all yeah
0: so that's when the Beatles uh reportedly declared themselves to be bigger than Christ himself <laughs> I mean, in the context of the music industry, they're correct. I mean, yeah, 100%. Shane Lynch might see it differently. But um, you heard Paul McCartney at the start there reflecting on this and looking back. I thought it was very interesting. And then you heard John Lennon kind of talking at a in an interview about the, the furore that happened. I'll give you the context, the further context in just a second. But I thought it was quite interesting that Paul McCartney said that, you know, it, he was taken out of context. Because that makes this one of the earliest kind of recorded, massive, mainstream entertainment cases of that happening. I think it probably... I, I would say probably was. Certainly, yeah. certainly to the extent. So, basically, yeah. for the context, and I will now quote from Rolling Stone's 50 Worst Decisions in Music piece, which, by the way, uh, gold mine. Yeah, uh,
1: fantastic read.
0: Gold mine for you, uh, listener, and also gold mine for us, because we'll definitely be taking further inspiration from there down the, down the line. Um, in February 1966, John Lennon was speaking to Maureen Cleave, a reporter for The Evening Standard, when he began pontificating about religion. Christianity will go, he said. It will vanish and shrink. I needn't argue about that. I'm right, and I'll be proved right we're more popular than Jesus now I don't know which would go first rock and roll or Christianity so that's what he was saying uh, didn't provoke much of a stir in England but in America naturally in they, America in America <laughs> uh, they weren't happy radio stations all across they banned the Beatles music Uh out.
3: Yeah, of course
0: <laughs> where else there was an event in Georgia where their records were burned in a bonfire and then when the Beatles came to America a few months later there was protests at some of the shows empty seats at other shows as well uh, it says here it was a miserable time for the entire band and they never toured again now they obviously broke up for different reasons but that you know it's, 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 it's a chronological factor mm-hmm. uh, Christians weren't happy uh, the Bible Belt as we say weren't happy apparently um, the Ku Klux Klan protested one of their concerts so fine <laughs> like I mean <laughs> but I think the Beatles win that Probably one
1: so yeah, I was just going to say, probably going to side with, uh, with the, the Beatles, four with yeah. the four lads there. Yeah, yeah the
0: lesser of two evils. Um, but here's the thing, right? Uh, you know, John Lennon didn't, you know, he he, he heard him like in, in that clip. You know, he's saying like, I didn't fucking say that. I said this, and it's like, well, you know, he wasn't quite as declarative as the subsequent controversy. Mm-hmm. But he did say we're more popular than Jesus now. He did say those words. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's making a broader point, but also like, was he wrong?
1: No, I don't think he was. I think it's like, like it's it was it was Beatlemania, not Biblemania back then, you know. Like it was Hulkamania. <laughs> it a couple that <laughs> yeah. it
0: still is. Yeah,
1: um, yeah. Like I don't know. I, I I really enjoyed listening to John Lennon be like, oh, I didn't say that we're bigger than Jesus. almost to be like but we are, and you know that. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. So like, I, I think... I it's a totally fair point. And also, it's like, massively fair. I'm not, I'm not, it's like I'm these not a Beatles are,
0: fan, and I'm much less a John Lennon fan, but I will say, like, you know, I have no problem with a rock star being a rock star. Yeah, and like, they were massive. They were like the biggest thing in the world.
1: The biggest thing in the world. Everybody knew about the Beatles. Everybody. Like, not saying that no one... <laughs> you know, there were people that didn't know about Jesus, but no, I mean, there probably were.
0: Even still... Like, I, I think it's, you can think, say these things I think things Jesus invest. Christ PR yeah. game was stronger Adam I was going to yeah. say like, <laughs> at that point well yeah he's been like, around for a while continues to be um, yeah
1: like I don't know I think that it's funny because I think, I think it's. I think this is so fine like this wouldn't even make news today
0: well that's the thing it's very of its time mm-hmm. and it is you know again generation through generation and you know fucking form of expression through form of expression everything's been done now this was different we weren't living in that time and you could probably feel it in the air this is kind of thing that you don't say in certain parts of the world, particularly the states at that time, and certain sections of the states,
1: so I think probably still a little bit in, know, in certain parts of the states. Absolutely, yeah,
0: definitely. But I, I do think it's interesting though that because I've always said that you know the Beatles, the endurance, the fucking chokehold that the Beatles still have over popular culture. Yeah, um, it you know for Sam Mendes in particular, <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, four <laughs> fucking films. Um, you know, I, I, it's been a running joke amongst me and my friends for a long time that Dave Hanratty hates the Beatles. I don't hate them. I just don't like them. I never got it. Maybe I'm the I'm probably the, the the problem. It's fine. Um but like I think it's funny that it's taboo to this day to say I don't like the Beatles. People lose their fucking minds. But this was so taboo and they were involved and they said it. I do have to wonder like, you know, How throwaway of a comment was it for him? I feel like it had to have been a big throwaway thing
1: where he was just like, (laughs) you know, at the end of the sentence as opposed to him literally like looking down, looking at a journalist right in the eyes and saying,
0: look at me, we are bigger than Jesus. You can quote me on that. Print that, (laughs) you know. Print the legend. Um, But no, it's funny. Um, Again, you know, I'm calling it a bizarre controversy, controversy. I think, yeah. I'm saying it's overblown, but of course, as we say, time is a factor and back in... Uh, Mid nineteen sixties, you know, it's going to be yeah, a lot different. But it you would know. have
1: been considered a faux pas by many.
0: Somebody would have fainted, you know. Yeah, I, I yeah. Well, and like and I say, for the
1: wrong reasons. They want the Beatles wanted people to feign for the right reasons. Yeah,
0: during like, you know, twist and chat or something. But I mean yeah, like it's it's the thing where it's like they had a right to say it, you know. They had yeah, a right. Course. And I guess people had a right to react, but it is just it's 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 a comical thing. They as you say, probably wouldn't seem to say. But what you would see today though, Adam, are YouTube comments. Earnest, oh yeah. Earnest YouTube comments. Yes. And I did, you know, the video that I oh, saw thank there. thank God for this. The video yeah. I saw there of the John Lennon quote and the whole thing. Uh there was only a couple of comments and only one stood out to me. And it's it was written seven months ago. Oh, yes, recent. And it says, and I quote... 5,000 <clears throat> likes? I'm 63 years old.
1: Oh, yeah, this is perfect. Okay, it's following the formula, note for note right now. We're L- one for one.
0: Literally almost quoting uh, Royal Roy, Roy yeah, Yellow yeah, one, yeah, two yeah. weeks ago on the Simpsons episode when he like, had the one that ended with, like, I'm 75 years old. Okay, actual quote below this John Lennon quote thing. Um, I'm 63 years old. I was brought up Roman Catholic, now agnostic... Watching this video brings back some unpleasant memories. Kind of hard to listen to to this today, even though I doubt the existence of God. I guess that Catholicism stays within your heart, regardless of your current beliefs.
1: Look, I
0: I... How does YouTube keep doing it? I the,
1: the, the, the YouTube's clientele.
0: The most earnest comment The corner. YouTube
1: comments clientele, I should say. Everyone watches YouTube. But like YouTube comments clientele. The people who take the time to write stuff like that.
0: So personal. Make
1: me so happy. So personal. Like, even the sad stories. I'm just like, I'm so glad that you shared that. Because, like, it, it, they're, it, they're, yeah, it's so earnest. Everything
0: is so earnest. It's astonishing. It's wonderful. <laughs> like, I had to just stop my He means every word of that. 100%, by yeah, the way. 100%. Now, okay. Hershey. Uh, I think I think it's a man Okay, rich is the first but it could be anything I don't know who cares who fucking cares <laughs> be, be, be whoever you be are whoever you be like. happy yeah. in yourself you're accepted here at No Encore absolutely um, but will number four be accepted by the listeners of No Encore because wow. this is one I think this is a really interesting one I think time has been very interesting on this one so um, I've got a bunch of clips from this one but we're going to start with one to just give you a little bit of an explainer it should be all you need here is our number four in bizarre music controversies now
2: this is not just about music charlie we are probably right now two to three months away from having a situation where you can download a 90-minute motion picture in real time so the day gladiator opens in a theater near you you can sit there and swap or whatever nice word they use swap gladiators or whatever other motion pictures About share files sharing i don't this is not sharing if me and you Share a sandwich. I'm left with half a sandwich. Oh, but you know what they would what? say? That, but you. This is duplicating. But what they this would is say, not No, no. Sharing. But what they would
3: say. Last spring, Ulrich showed Tell up at go. Napster's office with the names of 300,000 users that he said had illegally downloaded Metallica songs.
0: Who is that handsome man with the beautiful voice? I think we all know who it is.
1: (laughs) Regular listeners of the show will know
0: that that's Lars Ulrich. It's Lars Ulrich, sticks man for Metallica, sandwich enthusiast. Yeah,
1: Yeah, definitely. He was very cross about the whole sandwich situation. That's him
0: talking on 60 Minutes. They did a special episode about Metallica taking on Napster. Napster, of course, if anyone does not remember, was a file sharing service, a platform yeah. that emerged in the early two thousands, and it was all about getting music uh, for free.
1: Nemesis of the music
0: industry With at the time. Questionable legality.
1: Yeah, because it was it was the first um, AKA kind of peer. It was illegal. It was illegal. Yeah, <laughs> but it was like the first peer to peer file sharing platform. So to speak,
0: yeah, and a big like Limewire and yeah, yeah. you know some other ones, but it was big news at the time, and uh, some musicians did not take this lying down, and that was certainly the case for uh, Lars Ulrich. So, um, I, actually, and sorry, just to before you proceed with this, uh, the, the 60 Minutes episode, as you might imagine, it's very of its time. So, can I just give you the intro? The, the intro from the episode, the, like cause it, it starts off and you got like Sean Fanning of Napster. but it's just all very like, you know, set in the scene and it's so wonderfully of its time. So let's take a listen to how that episode began.
2: I would say it it, it definitely bothers me. I mean, to me, it's upsetting to know that we've built something that um, thirty million people love and has so much potential. and the the fact that it could, it could be destroyed or could be lost, is is definitely upsetting.
3: Napster is enabling millions of people to get free music with just a few keystrokes at their computers. The idea is deceptively simple. It's called file sharing. Computer users store their music collections, everything from the Beatles to Britney Spears, in their computers. When they link up with Napster, it then acts as a central hub
0: that brings everyone together, allowing people to swap music computer to computer without paying a dime. There you go. Isn't that. it isn't it gorgeous? Like the
1: key topping. It's fantastic. I can see everything yeah. in that. Oh, I yeah. can see the like it's so the keyboard is so yellow, it's unbelievable. The weird sinister music there when it was like Yeah, yeah, yeah when it's like they can exchange files for free
0: and not pay a dime so uh, I'm going to quote now from an article in Kerrang! magazine in April 2021 written by Sam Law, it's called Metallica vs Napster, the lawsuit that redefined how we listen to music, Uh, kind of just picking up on the, the, the application and advancement of Napster so when the program went live later that summer it did so with unprecedented popularity right out of the gate millions of tracks were accessible almost overnight, user numbers were doubling every few weeks, in an era when the vast majority of music was still physically purchased on compact disc, an untold variety Variety was made accessible to any listener with access to a PC and a decent internet connection. The increasing prevalence of CD-burning equipment further facilitated an illicit trade. Naturally, all of this was illegal. Prior to that point, music had been a collectible. Suddenly, it was disposable. It goes on to mention that the original anti-Napster lawsuit was filed at the beginning of the year 2000 by the Recording Industry of America for copyright infringement. But of course, as we know, and as we are here to discuss further... It caught the attention of a particular band when a Metallica song by the name of I Disappear, which was written for what film? Oh, oh, uh, oh. Summer blockbuster. Oh God, I feel like I know this. A summer blockbuster that also boasted a new metal version of the famous theme tune. Oh, Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible 2. Yeah. The Metallica song is I Disappear. It's a fucking banger. And it got back to Metallica, basically, that uh, the song had leaked and had been appearing on the internet and that's how they learned about Napster. So I want to play you a clip now. This is a couple minutes long. Um, it's taken from Lars Ulrich's opening speech. Now if you can imagine him much like Ryan Tuberty was at the, uh, the Oireachtas committee last summer. He just wanted the Napster users
1: to learn how to read?
0: Pretty much, yeah. yeah. He, he just wants the Napster users to listen to music again. Um, Basically, he's in front of a, a Senate a judiciary hearing, and it's like it's a long clip in general, but I've cut I've cut it down to about two pertinent minutes, and let's just hear what Lars had to say at the time when he was speaking,
2: you know, in a, in, a, in a government broadcast. So here we go. With Napster, every song by every artist is available for download at no cost, and of course with no payment to the artist, the songwriter, or the copyright holder. If you're not fortunate enough to own a computer, there's only one way to assemble a music collection, the equivalent of a Napster user, theft. Walk into a record store, grab what you want, and walk out. The difference is that the familiar phrase, files done, is now replaced by another familiar phrase, you're under arrest. Since what I do is make music, let's talk about the recording artist for a moment. When Metallica makes an album, we spend many months and many hundreds of thousands of our own dollars writing and recording. We typically employ a record producer, recording engineers, programmers, assistants, and occasionally other musicians. We rent time for months at recording studios which are owned by small businessmen who have risked their own capital to buy, maintain, and constantly upgrade very expensive equipment and facilities. Our record releases are supported by hundreds of record companies, employees, and provide programming for numerous radio and television stations. Add it all up and you have an industry with many jobs, a few glamorous ones like ours and lots more covering all levels of the pay scale and providing wages which support families and contribute to our economy. Remember too that my band Metallica is fortunate enough to make a great living from what we do. Most artists are barely earning a decent wage and need every source of revenue available to scrape by. Also keep in mind that the primary source of income for most songwriters is from the sale of records. Every time a Napster enthusiast downloads a song, it takes money from the pockets of all these members of the creative community. It is clear then that if music is free for downloading, the music industry is not viable. All the jobs are just talked about will be lost and the diverse voices of the artists will disappear the argument i hear a lot that music should be free must then mean that musicians should work for free nobody else works for free why should musicians now a
0: couple of takeaways before we get into the meat of this one boy was he popping on that microphone oh my
1: god yeah the plosives were unbelievable that man needed three pop shields two i don't think he had a single one (laughs) <laughs> Two <laughs> sounds like he didn't.
0: I do you want to reiterate? Because I think it's kind of a it's kind of a given. It's kind of a taken for granted thing. But like Lars Ulrich is not a popular figure even before this. He is something of a joke to a lot of people. Even people who love metal, they're like, can't stand that guy. I don't think he's a great drummer. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't seen some kind of monster, once again, I'm imploring you to do so. This does get covered in it. So you know you're dealing with the with a divisive figure anyway. You know, three. I don't want to find myself here going to bat for the record labels. That's not what I want, the argument I want to make. What I do want to say, and I should say as well, of course, Metallica were crucified for, for this. For, for Like, once Lars Ulrich made this speech, once they did what they did, uh, especially outing the names of people who illegally downloaded their music, uh, Metallica were absolutely fucking destroyed. Metallica fans, in some cases, turned their backs on them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what I want to ask, though, 2024. Yeah. 20 years later. Yeah. Was Lars Ulrich right? Yes. Because whether it was YouTube comments today, Reddit threads, uh, drop down comments on other, you know, kind of articles about this, et etc., et cetera, I'm seeing an awful lot of people say he was right. And he, he, he and was. He, and he, he nailed what would happen and what did happen. And you hear him there. And again, like I say, you know, just to cover all bases here, just cover all angles, he is talking about you know, independent musicians, people who, you know, hire studios and run them, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. Uh, And he is also making the point in the same breath that, you know, yes, I know I'm a massive multimillionaire, but it's not like he's done much to facilitate that in the other direction. I mean, like, you know, was he just paying lip service? Did he care? But at the same time, is the argument correct? Because again, like, I, I can't stress this enough. Lars Ulrich was fucking destroyed for these comments. But, one more time, I'll say it. Was he right?
1: Yes. Um, And... I have a very, I suppose, some might say, biased view, but I have a view point of this from an as an arts worker. I am one of those people that he spoke about in the in in the statement. You know, I, I have a studio here. I I my you know my job is a producer primarily, and like you know, I work on podcasts too. But like again, I think that he was 100% correct. And it's the, the thing that resonated most was people, the the sentiment that music should be free, it 100% insinuates without any doubt that musicians should work for free. And the music, like, I think that as well, just moving slightly laterally from that as well, like, this, the not, like, he was right to stand up for, for, for himself and for the music industry when this happened because this was the start of the complete devaluation of the music industry. Like, right now, he's talking about going to a studio and spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to make a record, employing all these people. That doesn't happen anymore. Like, unless you're Taylor Swift, even if you're Taylor Swift, probably not the case, you know, if you're Dua Lipa, maybe. But, like, who who else is doing things like that? Like, I can't, like, even if you're looking at behind the scenes of big artists out there nowadays, Dermot Kennedy, Hosier, um, Taylor Swift, like, you're not seeing what we saw in Some Kind of Monster. You're not seeing that kind of level of, you know, people going away for months and just dedicating time to making this record
0: some people would say in the same breath though that if the end product is sane anger uh, okay well
1: look we, maybe we shouldn't I'm going sideste- to sidestep that one real quick um, sure of course it, I say
0: Taylor us so it probably is spend that amount of money but again as you say you're talking about like you know at 1% you know?
1: Uh, if I'm thinking like what he's saying is well art, like you know arts workers are people who don't make a lot of money musicians generally are people who don't make a lot of money he's right. Like, at the ground level, at grassroots level, it's fucking hard. I know so many people who are balancing two, three jobs. Well, he wasn't. Again, we, we do need to unlock No, but again, this is a
0: multimillionaire millionaire who has is only, is only, only got, got more money since. Metallica are a brand, they are a fucking, like, you know, they are like Kiss, they have a they TM next to their name, that's fine. But like, you know, it's, you know, I don't want to just fully say, "Yeah, man, Lars is right on." But he was protecting no. his corner. Although he's hundred percent, he'd every right to protect his corner. Yeah. And, and he makes the point, you know, in, in the in the full eight-minute speech, that like he does say, and he's like, you know, he's like, "We didn't make this decision." He's like, "I have no problem people giving away music for free, but we didn't get to make that decision." Yeah, and the, uh, w- but what I
1: will say, and to go back to it, is like, despite whether or not it was cynical, him batting for the small the small town musician here, there and everywhere, he's right. Like whether you want him to be or not and whether he is a cynic or not a cynic or you like him or you don't like him, I can take or leave him. I think what he said is like A1 and it's that statement has aged so well in the age of streaming as well. If it wasn't for these peer-to-peer file sharing networks like LimeWire, like Napster that completely devalued music, brought it down to a file and just split it all over the thing. I I thought the sandwich analogy was absolutely hilarious. I don't think that's very accurate, but like, it's, it, it it's a was funny, like, it's a funny analogy. It's a funny though. analogy, yeah. but the whole thing is like, the streaming services then came in later w- with this thing, this, you know, subscription-based model for access to music. But they're, like, realistically, if Napster wasn't there, if Napster never happened, if this peer-to-peer file sharing stuff never happened, shoulda, woulda, coulda, of course, but streaming streaming services might have come along and there might have been more value given back to the artists. We mightn't be having the conversation we're having now about royalties being paid to the artists. I imagine they would be smaller
0: well, what, what I wanted to ask, though, was, because you have to look at the other side of it, and for example, there are people who to this day will say that Sean Fanning and Sean Parker were rock stars, and what they did, they were the Robin Hood, you know, they, they brought down the fucking, the big label, the evil corporate greed, boom, 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 um, and it was time for a change, and it was time to try and give something back to someone else, and, you know, we shouldn't have to pay this, and blah, 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 blah. You know, like, there are people who will romanticize that and will say that actually what they did was right and not wrong, but then again... What is the end result? The end, I'm not like you know whether it's directly from Napster or not. We are looking at Spotify now. No one makes any fucking money, and 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 it's making it. It's going even worse. Um, I don't know. It's not that I'm like you know 100 team lawyers. Yes, although I do think he's an overhated person personally. Um, but overall, it was like something had to something had to burst in that industry. Yeah, but, but I, I don't know if this was the this was the way. And like in fairness, look, look, i I used Napster, of yeah, course I, I, Lime LimeWire, of course I, I did. I did you know,
1: I did it as well. But and now I, I pay
0: for Spotify, you know, yeah. which is probably which arguably is worse
1: yeah and but then like again there are models that that do prioritize the artists like title do pay a, a quite a premium on royalties to their artists based on their stream counts and all the rest of it but like i d- i do find the argument that was it sean parker right that mm-hmm. was, yeah i do find well, sean, the, fanning. Sean, sean fanning sean parker
0: also involved at a certain point i believe yeah
1: yeah um so sean fanning like i find the argument that like you know well we shouldn't have to pay for this that, like would you go into a shop take a Mars bar and say the same thing and walk out and expect not to have a security person chase you down for shoplifting because that's essentially what it was doing and again i it, there is like an a, a level of hypocrisy there because i did partake in this but i am now like my eyes have widened up I widened to the detriment it is to the arts worker to want and it's devaluing art and it's devaluing music and like these are things that are so intrinsic to all of our lives I don't know anyone who isn't uh, you know into some form of the arts whether like you might not be a big music person but you're a big film or TV person like this is all the same thing this is all the same thing it's why the it's why the um, the SAG uh, SAG union members struck out for the longest time um, it's why people are now putting the putting it up to Spotify uh, on the on the basis that Spotify have turned around and said they're reducing their fucking royalty rates for streams coming out and they're not going to pay out past a certain threshold which is fucking daylight robbery um, if they're making a loss they need to figure that out and not pass it on to the artists it's devaluing art I think Lars is 100% right
0: yeah and there's a lot of passive acceptance in it we're all kind of coupled to some degree I will say Lars Oberg to me is probably the living embodiment of the uh, two things can be right at the same time oh 100%
1: and yeah. we'll
0: give him the last word I, I want to just give him one more clip uh, this is him speaking in I think 2013 to the Huffington Post so you know some time has, has elapsed and he's looking back on, on what went down and how he feels about it then
1: Alex Winter just came out with a documentary called Downloaded which rehashes the Napster sure. saga <laughs> uh,
0: we have a comment from one of our producers Ricky Camilleri saying uh, does Lars regret the way in which he handled Napster back in the day. It said the music industry has lost billions, not harnessing the power of tech between, during, and after Napster. <laughs>
2: um, no, I, I'm not a, a guy who sort of carries regret around with me on my shoulders a lot. Um, I'd say the only regret uh, about that 13 years ago was that we were not quite prepared. I think you, you used the word shit before, so I'll say um, we weren't quite prepared for the shitstorm mm. that sort of... Uh, that we became engulfed in, um, you know, it's, it started out as a street fight. It was basically, you know, there was a, a song that we were working on for the Mission Impossible Two movie called "I Disappear." That all mm-hmm. of a sudden showed up on radio stations across the country, but it wasn't even mixed. It wasn't even finalized. I think so, I actually downloaded
3: that one yeah. when I was in college. Well, there you go. I was very excited about it. <laughs> there you go. And you know what? I bought <laughs> I bought the album when it came out.
2: There you go. Um, but so it sort of showed up on all these radio stations across the country and we were like, well, how did that happen? And I got a call from our office, like the next day it, it traces back to something called Napster and mm-hmm. we were like, well, if they fuck with us, we'll fuck with them. Mm-hmm. And um, then it sort of turned into, a, it started off a street fight. And then like a month later, it was like, whoa, <laughs> okay, look at this. <laughs> and then we were sort of like a little bit like uh, deer caught in headlights. And, um, and then obviously we, we stood our ground and, and fought the fight. But obviously it was, I mean, it was a difficult time. I mean, it's not, um, it's not easy um, being finger whacked at that level. And especially, you know, because, you know, the Napster people were really smart in that they, they made the whole fight about, you know, about money and about you know Metallica sort of like technologically inept and they don't want to you know give stuff away for free and we're like well hang on it's not about money it's about control
0: and Lastly on this do you think that guy who said I bought the album when it came out bought the album when it came out No <laughs> No
1: he didn't that is Placating for placating sake. I think he
0: panicked when he said that he downloaded it and felt he had to rush to cover himself. Yeah. But also, it meant that he would have bought the Mission Impossible 2 soundtrack, which, you know... I don't mean, know, legend? Yeah, <laughs> could be. Now, I cede the floor to you for a number three. Sure.
1: Um, okay, so how to tee this up? I guess this is, you know, we're talking, you know, back a little bit from the Napster controversy, not really in the same world... But definitely a modern example of one of the most, I'd say, notorious groups of all
2: time.
3: M.C. Wren, will you please give your testimony to the jury
0: about this fucked up incident? Fuck the police! The nice incident. police, saw nice to me!
1: <laughs> <laughs> is that Alan, no, it wasn't Adam Partridge, No,
0: it, it was uh, uh, Adam Buxton. Adam Buxton, of, yeah. of Adam and Joe, and he does the fuck the police thing, but he's done the clean up version. Of yeah, the he kids. like turns it down and everything. Yeah. It's, it's a great bit, go yeah. look it up, you know. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, you know what day it is today, Jasper! Thursday wrong it's NWA day and uh, yeah it's great it's a good bit so NWA yeah you want to talk about them
1: NWA that song was Fuck the Police um it it was a, a song released in um 1988 um which absolutely blew my mind that it wasn't in the 90s i i was convinced it was in the 90s so yeah just a bit of a a bit of general background first before we get into the the whole controversy and why this song in particular um you know pulls uh, pulled on a lot of people's strings the wrong way. I so it's it
0: still would today.
1: Yeah, yeah, NWA, rap group formed in Compton, Los Angeles in the late 1980s, made up of Ice Cube, Dr. Dre, Eazy-E, DJ Ella, Arabian Prince and MC Ren. They, I, I think it's, you know, pretty safe to say that they were the forefathers of modern gangster rap music. Like there was some happening in the New York kind of world. We had like Slick Rick doing a few bits and Grandmaster Flash, but it was very like soft. And it wasn't really like it was all sample based, but it was generally breaks taken from soul records and stuff. And that is very much the same here. But the sound of the production here was what really changed the game in terms of gangster rap. It set it set the bar um, for those to come after like Snoop Dogg. And, you know, that brought Death Row Records. Tupac got involved Biggie then was kind of the same thing and like all that street culture became massive, massive, massive part of the lyrical content and rap in the 1980s. Or sorry, 1990, should I say. So their debut album, Straight Outta Compton, was released in 1988 and was one of the first ever albums to contain the now widely recognised parental advisory label due to the explicit lyrics and themes throughout, which, you know, you heard a little bit of it there. Um, These uh, aforementioned lyrics and themes rendered the group banned from radio worldwide due to its quote-unquote extreme Content, however, the media coverage made up for the lack of airplay, and the album eventually went double platinum. Um, it's
0: strange how that can happen, you know, <laughs> when you introduce something like this. I know you wouldn't, uh, you you wouldn't think it would. You? The parental advisory logo, I will say, is iconic. You know, it yeah. actually is for all the reasons that they didn't intend. But yeah, like yeah. you've got, I've got that image seared into my brain. It was being,
1: uh, I, I like during my research for this, I, I saw that it was being tested out by the record companies at the time, but this one was the first like big release that they were like fucking slap that on um, and you know now again we're still seeing it we still see it and like you would associate a lot of rap records with that logo almost you wouldn't be able to see a lot of artwork without it yeah um,
0: metal as well, of course, metal too, and I, and I yeah. do know that our, our, our guest was going to pick uh, like you know Tipper Gore versus Twisted Sister and all the Satanic Panic stuff as mm-hmm. well in the eighties. Yeah, a similar kind of deal where it's like you know lyrics that are demonizing our children, etc. Mm-hmm. But I guess this is more of an adult theme because again, you know, you're taking aim directly at the establishment and the yeah, authorities, yeah. and we can't have that. Yeah, yeah, quite li- least of all from non-white people. Quite
1: literally, like so. This song "Fuck the Police" had a massive backlash from politicians, activist groups, which is focus on the family of. Course, and uh, not least various law enforcement agencies, and so much so the FBI got directly involved. And this is the big controversy. So, you know, you know, the background here
0: of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Yeah, I believe it was founded by J.A.
1: No, no, as in the background based on like how the FBI got involved with NWA.
0: Well, I've seen the uh, questionable film which depicts some of this. Oh, yeah, it's a dramatized version of it. Yeah, yeah. No, no, give it to me straight. Yeah, like so. a pear cider that's made from 110% pear.
1: So a letter was sent to um, the record label Priority Records by FBI Assistant Director Milt Ulrich saying that advocating violence and assault is wrong and that we in the law enforcement community take exception to such actions. The full letter is currently available to view in.
0: Uh, the, uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Correct. Real? Yeah. What? Well, hey. <laughs> um,
1: yeah. So uh, then, after that, policemen refused to um, provide security for the group's concerts, uh, hurting their plans to tour. Nonetheless, the FBI's letter only served to draw more publicity to the group, thus assisting with the um, with the double platinum certification. Yeah. So um, <laughs> nice
0: job, guys. There,
1: there, uh, another fun fact: the only radio station that has been recorded like uh, there's a record of playing the song on radio was Triple J in Australia, and it was banned after six months by the Broadcasting Commission, the
0: Australian Broadcasting Commission. Wow, I didn't even realise Triple J has been around that long.
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, that's, uh, yeah, again, Wikipedia being an absolute classic there. Second Um, source, that shit. I do have a clip of Ice Cube talking about the FBI letter and their kind of immediate reactions to it. Unfortunately, it's on Joe Rogan, but we don't hear too much of that, so.
3: Mercifully, thank you. The day we got the FBI letter. What was the FBI letter? We got an FBI letter. Uh they sent the letter to Priority Records. Saying they one guy was like I'm you know part of this department of the FBI and we're very concerned with this record called straight out of Compton. Uh, you guys got a song on there called Fuck the Police and we think this song could encourage um you know uh, people to go against law enforcement and blah blah less and blah blah that and Um, basically, you know, we'd like it if you guys took it off the shelf, you know what I'm saying, to that tip. So, you know, they call us up there, you know, they panicking. We don't know why they want us to come. They just like, man, you got to come here. We got to talk to you. We get up there and it's like pull out this letter, FBI. And we're like... He's like, man, do you know what this is? This fucking agent uh he he sent me this letter and you know they was all like nervous and shit. And we're looking like, a letter? That's all you get? They're not gonna come in here and try to fuck with us. Like, they not gonna, you know what I mean, arrest us, cuff us, rough us up, none of that. And we're like, y'all scared over a fucking letter? Come back, come back to South Central with us. You know what I mean? Deal with the sheriffs down there, you know what I mean? They do way more give you a letter so we felt that it was like you know easy was like we're gonna be big as fuck after this you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and easy was right
0: yeah i mean like as well it's nothing of while i'm sure the fbi were hardly going to you know stop to do this because why would they invite the bad publicity this song exists for a reason you know it isn't just for the crack not born out of nothing no it's reflective of their their lived experience yeah. and how black people were treated and continue to be yeah. hello like i mean it's like it's like you're like oh like with stuff like the big like the bigger than jesus you know Beatles thing you're like well that's such a product of its time and that exists in that very you know vacuumed time capsule space with well, a song like fuck the police by nwa uh, it's depressingly more relevant than ever yeah, it's never not been relevant. It's never not been important. It's never not been brilliant. By the way, like, even it's just just as a surface level, as you say, the production, the sonics on that fucking record, not to sound like an asshole. The sonics on that record, but like it sounds, it sounds amazing. It still sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it still sounds amazing. It's so like it's so
1: iconic. It's so 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 iconic as Again, far as like you know, rap beats go. As far as like the lyrics go, like the, even that just like scratched up bit where Easy E saying "fuck the police," like it's so it's it's. It's really, it's like addictive, you know. And again, there's like a bit of levity injected in there with like everyone acting out the court scene, um, in you know, in response to how cruel police officers were to young black people in, um, in Compton and in, in downtown Los Angeles in the uh, late 80s. And even then, you know, we saw some horrible things come out of there in the 90s as well. So.
0: Yeah, I mean, like I say, it's never not been relevant. But I mean, like again, it's just the, it's the it's the level of it. It's it's very funny that it completely backfired and that it created. I mean, like you know, this is what you want. Again, whether it's NWA, whether it's Slipknot, you know, where yeah. and again, like I mean, that was another thing where it's. Uh, I think we would have discussed. Like I can, I still can't confirm this. I don't know if it's real, but there was that story for years that you know uh, Slipknot were banned from playing in Ireland by the Parents Council, the National Parents Council, which I guess is the thing. Um, and it's like I you, know, you go online, you Google that, you'll find some forum threads talking about this, but I can't, con- I can find nothing to back this up. Yeah, I think it's completely apocryphal. But I do remember when I saw Slipknot in Belfast in two thousand and two, and I remember Corey Taylor being like, you know, doing the requisite, you know, holding up a, a can of Guinness, but mm. it's not even a point. A can of Guinness, and he was like, "I'm waiting a long time to do this kind of kind of thing." So I don't know. Maybe there is. If, if anyone knows, you know, by all means, do uh, do do let us know if Slipknot were in Fight Band for a while. Um, but yeah, it's just if you tell people, don't listen to this. This is bad for you. Yeah. It's bad for your kids. The fuck thing is gonna happen. You know,
1: it's like it's such a, a symbol of a generational divide as well. Like because, completely because yeah. like it, you get there, there are there are clips of like the people in like forums and I don't know if there was a court case or something against them at some point or like some injunction that was put in to try and get this put, like taken off the shelves. But what I do remember seeing people talk about this in like political forums and being like, this is terrible. This, and like, the, again, it's a real, won't someone please think of the children. It's the video like,
0: nasties, it's banned this yeah. sick filth, you know, it's the usual stuff. Completely.
1: And again, it's all like coming from a place of there's a lot of like, again, that, that like, um you know, uh, family first or whatever the name of the, you know, activist group was is v- like massively religious, like massive, massively religious. So, of course, this doesn't line up with their values. And again, of course, the FBI are going to take or law enforcement agencies are going to take, you know, umbrage with with this kind of stuff. And again, like it. But like, you know, you you reap what you sow, I guess.
0: 100%. Um, someone else who pushed the envelope quite a lot in their career is an artist who sadly is no longer with us. But here he is in our number two slot discussing a decision that was made that really, like, fucking blew people's minds back in back in
3: the day. You're an unusual person. Mm-hmm. Most people don't get famous with one name and then change it. Mm-hmm. Right, would you say? What's the story of that, by the way? Uh, well, I, um... Uh
2: I had searched deep within my heart and spirit, and I wanted to uh, uh, make a change and move to a new plateau in my
3: life. And one of the ways in which I did that was to change my name. It sort of divorced me from the past and all the hang-ups that go along with it. Why then did you choose the artist formerly known as? Well, I didn't choose that. That was chosen. It chosen for you. Yeah, pretty what much. What would you have chosen? Uh, I, I, I mean, would... did you think of a name? What is your name at birth? My name at birth was Prince Rogers Nelson, yeah. So, did you think of Nelson? N- no. <laughs> Rogers? No. Were you thinking of a name? No, it didn't come to me like that. So, mm-hmm. how did the artist formerly known as come about? Well, that came up through people's uh, uh, problem
2: with, mainly the, the media's problem with not having a pronunciation
3: for the symbol. So, they had to come up with something, I guess so the art is formerly known as is a media invention, yes, sir,
0: not your invention. The word icon" is overused, of course, but how else do you describe the singularity, the unique force of nature, the unbelievable, just kind of otherworldly you know like just 75 different dimensional presence that was Larry King. And he was discussing, (laughs) uh, he was talking to Prince there, Prince Rogers Nelson, of course, the late Prince, um, who, of course... Did you think of Nelson, Dave? No. Did you
1: think of Rogers?
0: I did not, no. Um, But Prince Prince did change his name to a symbol in the 90s. And let me tell you, it was the talk of the town. uh, (laughs) Because I grew up in a a house where um, my siblings were big into Prince. And how did they take this? Um, I think they were just kind of in lockstep with whatever he did. You know, it was like, all right, cool. This is different, you know. There, there certainly was no commotion that I can recall, but there was a lot of commotion in the media. A lot of people were just like, what the fuck is this, you know? And, hey, uh, how yeah. dare you. As Sorry, as if, by the way, Prince hadn't previously, like, been Prince and had, <laughs> yeah, had so, been princing all over the you place. Do you not
1: understand who and this just, like, man is, yeah.
0: Yeah, just doing, you know, kind of unexpected, strange, controversial stuff anyway... Um, I thought it was kind of cool. I mean, you know, but people really were kind of like, you know, turned the nose up at it. Being like, how dare he? This is ridiculous. Who do you think we are? You know, we're we're gonna, you know, accede to this? You yeah. know, he was like an he was a real artist. Artist wasn't he? Like he was. Uh, he was the artist formerly known as. Yeah, well. <laughs> well, as you heard him there. You know, it wasn't quite. You know, like he's making the the claim there that actually, you know, it was one thing, but the media turned it into another thing. Mm-hmm. Which of course goes back to the John Lennon thing. which goes back to everything, and the taking out of context, which continues to happen all the time um, to quote once again from Rolling Stone's 50 worst decisions in music they said that this was they believe that it was one of the worst decisions in music where um, does it rank? Uh, it's it's up the. It's I can't. I didn't write down the number, and now I now look like a terrible podcast. I am so sorry. Thanks very much. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely one of the higher ones. Yeah. Um, they say Prince had every right to be frustrated with his Warner Brothers record label in 1993. He was recording music at a furious clip, and the company simply wasn't releasing it. He also felt the contract that he signed with label all the way back in 1977 was unfair and essentially made him quote unquote a slave he decided the best way to fire back was to change his name to an unpronounceable symbol thinking this would somehow nullify his contract <laughs> I'm, not, I'm
1: sorry I know that's brilliant it, it, I mean yeah but like it's, it's then definitely it goes, not going then to then it do goes that.
0: that's not what happened <laughs> <laughs> Warner Brothers wound up sending thousands of computer disks containing the symbol to media outlets so they could print his new name uh, they also referred to him as the artist formerly known as Prince uh, the whole gamut confused his fans and little to help with flagging record sales mm. he changed his name back in 2000 now there's a, a really good piece actually a very long piece uh, in Variety from last summer written by someone called Jem Aswad who says that Prince's motivation for doing so was never clearly stated although you know he certainly gives you some semblance over there in the Larry King clip and many seem is put together the contract um, and so on and so forth, but you know uh, the floppy disk thing. I think is great because you know with, with the digital rendition of the image. Because you know if I didn't explain that clearly enough, it's like the symbol did not exist on the computer keyboard. So you're like, <laughs> how are we going to do this? But, you know, the label circumvented that. Um, and television outlets were also provided with a brief video featuring the symbol as well. So, like, it, it was just weird kind of corporate subterfuge by Warner Brothers with their, one of their leading artists who I guess was, you know, causing them some, some trouble. Um, it, isn't,
1: it, like, it's, it really goes to show the lengths that a record label will go to, though, to, yeah. like, avoid getting someone getting out of a contract.
0: And getting one over on them, yeah. So yeah. to quote from this Jem Oswald piece in Variety, which is worth checking out, it's very long. Uh, the symbol, originally a combination of the common gender symbols for male and female, previously had appeared in slightly different form in the artwork of several of his albums. First on 1999, later on the Seas of Purple Rain, Graffiti Bridge, on Tour Laminates and the like. However, because the symbol could not be copyrighted, Prince hired a Minneapolis design studio to alter it, adding a horn-like element. He copyrighted that version and first used it as the unpronounceable title of his otherwise titleless 1992 album, which is commonly referred to as Love Symbol. So there you go. I mean, it was bizarre. <laughs> it's,
1: I think it's, It's. It, I think, yeah, bizarre, box ticked, controversy, <clears throat> box ticked. Like, a, again, it's like, it just goes, like, it's. it was, I think it was really smart. It was really inventive. I think it was worth the gamble. 100%. Imagine that paid off. Imagine Metallica <laughs> changing their name to I don't know, like the, what? what's, it, what's the, 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 death magnetic, what's the like, it, they have like a coffin with like the magnet thing. Oh yeah, like, it, it looks
0: terrible. That's yeah. going
1: to, that could be, that we could be calling them the artists formerly known as Metallica. But like,
0: like the, I guess, but if you're so established, you know, like if, if you're so, like again, Prince is a mononym, you yeah. know, and it's like uh, so iconic, again, I know I hate that word, but like, but like, you know, so known. Yeah. and just, yeah. hey hey everyone it's prince you know it's it's madonna it's prince you know it's like but like, also
1: like he just he didn't he never gave a fuck like he never gave a fuck he was yeah. always like just
0: you know the infamous quote don't you when like it was like the whole you know him versus mcd thing over here no i don't no I think like it was one of the what, gigs. Happened, what
1: happened with that was, there, was
0: I think it's it I, I think it was the Croke park thing. I think tickets weren't selling or something, but there was there was some kind of dis, there was some dispute there was a dispute anyway, and like you know, apparently like you know the, the word that came back from Prince to the head of m c d was and i quote, tell that cat to chill, oh yeah, no, I did remember that actually, which is no, fucking great yeah, yeah. yeah no, no he he was an absolute he was not he was a prick, you know, but he but he was an amazing prick, yeah, he had the art to back it up. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing I guess yeah. although he made so many terrible throwaway albums especially towards the end yeah although have you heard the song Black Sweat
1: yes I have we featured that in a top 5 it's absolutely unbelievable to this it's day it's like future sex love sounds before future sex love sounds that's happen.
0: a good way of putting it it sounds like a car alarm on fire
1: yeah it's I think it would be top of the charts today it's fucking amazing yeah it's um, good stuff Black
0: Sweat everybody check it out do check out Black Sweat by Prince check out most stuff but not most stuff check out the good stuff by Prince um I did say though, you know, all news is local. That is a truism in journalism. You know,
1: uh, I'm every day's a school day for me. You never heard that phrase? I've never heard that phrase. What no. do you think it means? Uh, it's relevant to where you are, right? Correct. You yeah. find you
0: find the angle. You yeah, know,
1: like you re- you can relate it back. Is there
0: an Irish angle on this international story? You know, like for an Irish publication? Yeah, or, yeah, and, yeah, and so on and so forth. All news is local. What is relevant to me? You know, mm-hmm. who, who am I in this? Where am I? You know? And these are the kind of questions, the big questions that some artists ask, you know, like, I mean, like the real thinkers, you know, the real challengers, the doers. I'm doing one of those ads now, you know, an ad for yeah. like, you know, Guinness where it's like, you know, the rebels, you know, yeah. the Bank of Ireland, <laughs> Yeah, the music makers, the thinkers, the yeah. music makers, you know, the mortgage the drawdowners, fucking awful, <laughs> <laughs> the bailouts. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no, here's the thing, right? There are like, you know, like you talk about, you talk about Prince. Yeah, you talk about your princes. You talk about your Madonnas. You, like you talk about these generational, iconoclastic, yeah. anti-establishment, uh, just like forces of, of of something. You know, something bigger than ourselves. And not only that, but like it's not just in the personality that they exude on a daily basis. You know, that they, they can't turn it off. These people. It's about the art that they create. You know.
1: Yeah, I feel like you have someone specific in mind that you know is, yeah, on par with. Prince, or maybe even slightly more magnanimous,
0: yeah, a level beyond, you know, a, a new level of 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 all of that, and that's our number one uh, in the bizarre music controversies. This this brave, like, really, like, just like I say, I mean, like, you know, you, you remember you you remember where you were, you know, when you first heard this song and what it said and how it said it, and so I, you know, what, just just, I, I don't want, I, I'm getting a bit emotional here. I, I I don't want to talk too much about it. It, it it's a very personal thing let's just take a listen to it
3: we were
2: walked by the christian the brothers in the cell block said
1: Every song from 2004, everybody, (laughs) every single one, they all sounded like that. No, who was that? It
0: was Every Emotion from 2004. Well, it was Brian McFadden. Yeah, it sure was. Yeah, and the song is called Irish Sun.
1: Yeah, and tell me what it's about, because I had no idea what this was about until this week. I had no idea this happened. You'd never heard that before. I'd, n- I'd never heard the song, and i never heard like the, the reason why this is now our number
0: one. So, uh, yeah, like, it's it's a wonderful thing, you know, I mean, to be alive, you know, in this, you know, to, to have experienced this, really, but... Um, and like yeah I guess yeah this song is almost 20 years old I mean like you know we need to do something to, to honor this. So as we all know Brian Mcfadden was um was was too hot for Westlife and you know had to leave eventually yeah. you know? Um and you know he not invited into the reunions in recent years which you know probably tells his own story but he was a bad boy. You know he was the bad boy of the boy band, the Irish boy band, the Irish son of course that he would go on to be. Yeah. Um and he went solo. You know he, he did the Robbie Williams thing. Mm-hmm. You know he split off, he kind of mussed up his hair, you know he started dressing like a bit of a rock star. Buku jeans, that kind of thing, um, and you know, convince, all rock stars wear Buku jeans. Con, as we con, convince us all, you know. He had that song "Real" to me. You know, that's what's real to me. I do remember that. You know, then yeah. then I throw my finger and watch football on TV. <laughs> like he he made like really important songs that we still you know harken back to today, whether we know it or not. Um, but you know, he had this song Iris Son." You might have heard a lyric there. You know uh, that says you know. They were warped by the Christian Brothers, so he's referring to his traumatic Christian Brothers uh, education past and how he was apparently on the receiving end of many a beating. You know, presumably because he was so um, insubordinate and couldn't be tamed. Um, so I'm just going to read now from a Sunday Independent article in uh, on Halloween in 2004, right? Uh, it says here, the Christian Brothers are to launch an investigation into pop singer Brian McFadden's claims in a new song, Irish Sun, which suggested he was, quote, warped and beaten while at school. Critics have dismissed... The cell blocks, by the way. Cell blocks. That's right. And let's not paint a a wholesome picture of Catholic Ireland schooling because there was lots of bad shit going on, as we all know, including beatings. Um, Critics have dismissed Brian McFadden's new single in which he recalls a grim childhood of beatings and oppressive Catholic dogma. The 24-year-old singer was just a toddler when corporal punishment was abolished in schools in 1982, yet his song focuses on alleged physical abuse at the hands of the Christian brothers. A spokesperson for the Red Disorder... Told the Sunday Independent, and I quote, We were going to let it go, but he came out in a very self piteous way, and we thought, OK, we're going to check you out. Hell of a quote. Uh, we are specifically interested in the facts about his direct contact with the Christian Brothers. We're going to find out how many he had actual contact with in primary school and in secondary school, which he attended for just one year. It is our belief that the number was uh, infinitesimally—how do you pronounce this word? infinitesimally low—and the vast majority of his contact was with lay teachers, non-Christian Brothers. Um, so, the singer Brian McFadden was accused of others of quote jumping on a bandwagon of pain. After suggesting he was abused uh, in the school by the much maligned order, the much maligned order—that's a weird way of putting it, like yeah, like a, like a misfiring striker at a football club, you know, um, you know. So yeah, the cell blocks thing. Go on, hit me now that I'm twice your size. Hell of a line, by the way. Um, we brushed off the accusations and bowed before your lies. Um, so, yeah, like, like I say, trust me, this is not me going to bad for the Christian Brothers or Irish education in general, especially at that time. There was horrific shit happening. And, you know, it says corporate punishment was abolished in 1982. There was definitely schools where, you know, students are still being hit uh, long after that. But it just came across very sus. You know, people were like, did this happen to you? Like, like, can you back this up? Like, it's a pretty bad thing when like people are like, OK, listen, especially when, like, you know, the Christian Brothers are like, all right prove it yeah. <laughs> <You know>? yeah. <laughs> like, and also like for this for this song like really brian like this is where you're fucking going with this
1: like i just think it's so it's really pitiful to hitch your horse to a wagon of pain and suffering that other people have actually fucking endured
0: that's the thing yeah
1: i mean which is it's sickening like it's it's completely despicable like and it's that's I'm I'm fucking glad someone held him to account.
0: There was also, like, in the video, there was, like, a specific school was identified in the music video, Mm. and then that school, like, complained, and they had to, like, edit it out, you know, because there's a scene where he, like, stops in a taxi and he, like, stares down an old man... It's a hell. It's unbelievable. But they had to like like remove this because it was like uh, actually you can't you know you're you're defaming us, by, by putting this in here, um. So people came out swinging against him, ironically enough. And uh, what else we got here? Uh, great reveal. Oh yeah, it says uh, McFadden has admitted blowing nearly all of the six million he earned at Westlife on gambling and wild living. Uh, on on the previous Friday, again, this is back in two thousand four, he blamed the media for his woes and revealed that the most intimate details of his marriage uh, to Katana on The Late Late Show. Uh, a telling detail here, McFadden's publicist, Max Clifford... Oh, Christ. Insisted... Ding, ding, ding. Insisted that he stood over the controversial lyrics. What he's written about is his own experience, something he feels very strongly about.
1: His own experience, yeah, definitely.
0: His memories, the Christian brothers, are not happy or positive. Quite the opposite, in fact. Um, rest, what memories? Rest the in, memories
1: aren't positive at all, because they don't exist. Rest
0: in eternal piss, Max Clifford, by the way. yeah fucking scumbag um so there you go yeah I mean like you know like rock stars have to do rock star things um like that's just how it goes um but even like you know it's I should say as well that the school that they identified in in the video that time like Rami Fad never went there of course he didn't <laughs> so like um, <laughs> it's just like what are we doing like why does this keep happening um, but no he's a great he's a great man isn't he he's a great musician I don't know about that um, who's definitely like never gone on to do other songs of questionable nature remember Drunk at the Bar nope a, a really disgusting song. Yeah, don't want to even. No, I'm not going to get into. Imagine it what that's about. Like, if you look at the lyrics, you'll find out. Um, no, thank you. But I will be say, steering
1: well clear of uh,
0: You know, it's things have dropped off from in recent years. Of course, you know, like who knows what he's doing these days. Uh, but
1: <laughs>
0: it's been. <laughs> Are you um, going to tell
1: us what he's doing these days?
0: It's been a while, actually, since. Um, it was in May. Oh, wow. It was in May of 2017. In May of 2017, that this brave man. This big man, yeah. This tough boy. Hope you have a quote. Talk to Twitter. Yes. <laughs> right, and he said, "Yes." Quote, as we all know, yeah, yeah, as we all should know. Wouldn't it be great if ISIS had the balls to stand face to face with us and fight? No weapons, no bombs, no dead children. Man, man to, to man. Man to <laughs> man. Yeah.
1: Man to man. And in fairness. This man single-handedly wanted to take on ISIS.
0: Who backed down. They never took him up on his offer. No. So there we go. Let's have one last clip. Um one we played in the show before some time ago, but uh, always fun to hear it again. Remember uh he teamed up with your favorite human being?
1: Oh yeah, Keith Duffy. That's right. Howie Duffies. Uh Keith Duffy's fan base, famously called Howie Duffy. The Howie Buddies. That's correct, yes.
0: <laughs> Keith Duffy, uh, Living Legend, and Brian McFadden, less so. Uh of course, uh, I don't know if it's still active, but they did their own little kind of two man show. Yeah,
1: and it's called Boys Life. That's correct. It is called Boys Life. For Co- those of you who don't know, it's an amalgamation of Boys Own and West Life. Yeah,
0: Sherlock Holmes it, couldn't, ma- couldn't put that one. I'm together. telling you, <laughs>
1: mind blown. I, the most thoughtful, inventive stuff I've ever heard in my life.
0: Uh, and that's before you even get to the music. But like, <laughs> so here they are on the late, late show um, because not everyone was happy with this union. And let's hear what the boys had to say.
1: What about Keen today? Yeah, Keane Egan was saying
2: that, uh, he he, he said, a member of Westlife, who left the band after four years, decides to use half the name for whatever it is they're doing. (laughs) I certainly was scratching my head when I saw that A saucer milk for Keane, please. (laughs) Um... Well, I was actually in Westlife for a lot longer than four years, but Matt's was never Keane's thing, in fairness. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's, it's for Brian. You he know is. what it's like. You know, he's like, he's probably on radio and people asking about yeah. it. I think a lot of people probably did get confused because some, some people did report that, like, we were doing a MacBuster, yeah, as you yeah, said. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but it was different. You know. no, this was from this morning, so he knows what you're doing. He said, from the perspective of someone who spent 15 years in Westlife, it was really aggravating and it was really unfair on the fans. How is it unfair on the fans? You know what what he thinks. Well, so, well look, though? listen, at the end of the day, myself and Brian are after teaming up to do a show to entertain people, to talk about 20 years of being in the business, Regardless and have a good time. Regardless
0: of what else thinks. You know, it's. Uh, <laughs> 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 I, I always I always adore the late like clips when they just get cut off yeah, like, so abruptly.
1: Absolutely like fucking record scratch. And face. it could
0: be like something that like really horrible. It could be like, you know, and that's when um uh, I, she took the gun out and killed all of those people. <laughs> it's just like why like, it's so weird. Um, anyway, listen. Uh Life, love, Brian McFadden. And that's her number one. Don't go after the Christian Brothers, Brian. I better yet, don't make any music don't ever again. Don't fucking
1: like make it up, though. Don't like make shit like that. Look, it's one man's. It's one man's opinion. It's
0: one man's story.
1: Dear Lord, you know, like yeah. what? What a what a sad little life, Jane. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Um, no. Not great. Not great. Not great. No. Hell of a song though. Proke Duffy podcast. Ant, yeah, anti-bribe.
0: <laughs> I mean, in <laughs> fairness, like I, I, I do think Keith Duffy does have a charm.
1: Oh yeah, massively. I buy tires from his business all the time. Do you actually? I genuinely do.
0: Well, then he needs to give us something
1: back. I was there, like. Uh, a week and a half ago Was he there? No he wasn't
0: <laughs> There was a big van with his face on it But I want Mr Duffy to change these tyres for me um, He's welcome. Post-haste. He's welcome on the show anytime, anytime Genuinely yeah. I'd actually love to interview him I'd say it'd be a, a fun time Yeah, uh, I hope this was a fun time for you listener and if you love the show please uh, tell a friend that would be good we'd love if you would spread the word about this little podcast that could and it's patreon.com slash noencore if you want to help support the show he's neither bizarre nor controversial he is Sonic Architect Adam
1: Hey hey and Likewise, Dave. Um one oh, bizarre <laughs> very controversial. <laughs> Sometimes controversial. On occasion. <laughs> um yeah, no, I, that was that was fun. Um aside from the horrid, horrid Brian McFadden stuff. But you're gonna listen to that
0: song every day. No, I'm day. not.
1: I'm not gonna ever touch that again. I don't think I've ever willingly listened to solo Brian McFadden music. But it's the, it's, it's and it's I, I don't think that, think it's the city that made I don't him. care. <laughs> I don't care. It's the uh, uh, fucking just like leave it be, Brian. Leave it be. That's fair. We're
0: going to leave this be. It's time to go, everybody. It's time to say goodbye on No Encore for this week. Uh, My name is Dave Hattmerdy. This has been No Encore. This has been a viral infection. There will be No Encore. There will hopefully be the clearance of this viral infection in the weeks to come. Bye-bye. Much love. Take care.